Shabbos, good evening, let's, uh, let's begin. So, we'll say, so we're going to do something a little bit different tonight. Being that, uh, being that in Eretz HaShem, 
We're just a few days away from Hanukkah. Yom Tov of Hanukkah, So last week, you know, we, we, we did a beautiful piece by the Sefer Bilvavi Mishkanevna about the Hanukkah, a really powerful piece about crushing the olives. So this week, this week, I want to do something a little bit different. The truth, before, before we start, I really want to give a very special shakarach to Tzvi, who really, like every single week, does such an incredible job in putting together such a, such a nice spread. Such a nice spread, really very special. And I, I, we were—I don't know how we did it. We were just at a basketball game together, literally again, like twenty minutes ago. And he didn't and have he any, and he didn't have any of this prepared. You know, and Baruch Hashem, like incredible. So, Rebbe, thank you, thank you very much. And Rebbe, who are our sponsors today? Um, Ivan and okay. Rosenblum's parents. Okay. Matt Marks, oh, and Ivan's father's 32nd yard site. Wow. First night of Hanukkah. Shem Shavan And Matt Marks sponsored Zechel Nishmas, Gedalia's sister. Gedalia's sister. Beautiful. Who was Nifter yesterday? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We'll say so again. So thank you to all of our sponsors. And again, a tremendous Yashikoach again to everyone for. First of all, it's so nice. It's so nice, Baruch just to come together every Shabbos to have to make brachas together, to learn together, to fabring a little, to fabring together a little bit. Really, uh, incredibly special, incredibly unique. So I'll say so. We're going to do something uh, a, a little bit, a little bit different tonight, in that uh, be to prepare for the Yom of Hanukkah. And I know that again, I know that uh, I know that already last week we weren't learning. So Amir Tashem, after Hanukkah, we'll get back to Benei Shavatova. We are going to do a piece from the Piazetzna tonight, just a different Sefer, Amir Tashem. Actually, a very moving piece by the Piazetzna. But actually, what I want to do tonight is really bring together to you two different pieces. One piece from the Lubavitcher Rebbe, Sefer Tzadik V'Kadosh Lebracha, and another piece from the Piazetzna. So actually, there's this beautiful Sefer. Ivan, I think you got me, I think you got me this Sefer. I think it's possible. Yeah, I think so. I think so. You're one of my Lubavitch friends, so I'm saying somebody, somebody with one of, one, one of, one of So there are many, many Svarim that take the Sichos of the Rebbe and kind of condense them a little bit, because the Sichos of the Rebbe are often very long. So they take them and like they condense them. So in this Sefer, it's actually very beautiful, called Shulchan Shabbos. So he does it, uh, the Mechaber just took one of the Sichos and just condensed them into kind of like nuggets of ideas. So it happens to be that the Rebbe has a beautiful piece, a beautiful piece on Hanukkah in Parshas Vayigash. Because remember, Parshas Vayigash is always Shabbos Hanukkah. So that's what I want to start with tonight. So we'll say everyone has a packet, a sheet. Here, the arts. We're going to type on some of these. That's yours. When the rub collects, can you tell what we ate that night? Yes, I can tell how. Yes. I'm sorry? I was sure. That's Kisley, 100%. Yeah, 100, right. Oh, Hashem. So we'll say, so let's begin this piece. And again, Amir Hashem, we're going to see it's a very deep piece. And we'll go from there into the Piyajetz, and Amir Hashem tied these two pieces together. So let's begin. So the, the Rebbe, I'm sorry. So the Rebbe brings it down here. The title, so it's page one on your packet. It says, Shabbos Chanukah, Hachag Shal Hasodos Hakimusim. So it quotes over here again from, from the Nusach of Alanisim, the Hodos which of course is Lashon of the Gemara. So the Gemara Masech Shabbos on Daf Chafal from base to page 21b discusses the Yom Tov of Chanukah. And in that Gemara, the Gemara tells the story, my Chanukah, the Gemara goes through the whole story. And at the end of the Gemara, so the sugya ends with the Gemara saying that Chazal instituted the Yom Tov of Chanukah eight days, Lahodos Ulahalal. Literally again, Lahodos, 
ultimately, again, for a sense of gratitude, and to give praise to Hashem. So the Rebbe writes as follows. He says, Chanukah, So the Rebbe writes that Chanukah is incredibly unique. What makes Chanukah unique? Shebechol ha-chagim v'chein ha-shabosos yeishchobas su'uda ve'ilu yemei Chanukah lo kavom l'mishteh v'simcha elo l'halavoda. So the Rebbe here points out something very unique about Chanukah, which again, the Rebbe is not the first person to point this out. Already the Mishnah Buddha points this out. Many others point this out as well. That Chanukah is unique in that there is no obligation of Mishta. There's no obligation of a Suda. There's no obligation to have a meal on Chanukah. And that's why when Chazal say, Chanukah was instituted lahodos ulahalel. Lahodos, of course, again, means that in, in Modim, we insert alanisim bimei matisyo, and we recite halal, halal shalom, complete halal all the days of Hanukkah. That's it. That, that, that's what you have. Of course, aside from the mitzvah of menorah, but there's no mitzvah of su'uda. There's absolutely no obligation to go ahead and have a festive meal on Hanukkah. Right? The Mishtabura writes, if you want to, the Shulchan Aruch writes, it's rishos. It's optional. Of course, you can make a festive su'uda on Hanukkah, but there's absolutely no obligation. I will say, so can't... I'm sorry? It's chasid. It's what's chasidos. To have a meal. To have a meal. That's chasidos. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's going above and beyond. So, I'm sorry? Marv is a rishos also. That, that is true. That is true. So again, uh, to be clear, is it a good thing to have a meal on Hanukkah? Absolutely. But what the Rebbe is focusing on over here is, also, if you think about it, the hallmark of every single yomtid and Shabbos is the obligation of a suda, right? Which is the biblical obligation to rejoice on yomtid means that you have to have a suda. Ultimately, Shabbos, the karas of the Shabbos oneg, oneg Shabbos, is you have a suda. So the Rabbi is just pointing out that Hanukkah is unique and that there is no obligation. Hasuda, he writes, bilvad. So the Rabbi writes, if you want to have a suda on Hanukkah, absolutely, it's beautiful. But it's a rishos. It's optional. It's not halachically obligatory. The chovas achag eino ela lahalalas Hashem or lahadlikes aneros lezecher neis pach Hashemin. So I will say, I'll tell you something interesting. By the way, if you look at the Gemara, so the Gemara of Meichanika. So when it discusses the yomtiv, the first thing it says is Meichanika. So the Gemara says Chazal instituted eight days. So it's interesting. Although there's not an obligation to have a suda, you're not allowed to fast on Hanukkah. You're not allowed to fast, right? We don't deliver eulogies on Hanukkah, no fasting. So it's interesting. You're not allowed to fast, but at the same time, there's no obligation of a suda. How do you go ahead and fulfill the mitzvah of Hanukkah? Three things. You light your menorah, you insert alanisim and modim, and you say halo. That's it. That's it. That's the entirety of Hanukkah. You want to have a meal? That's rishus. That, that's fine. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. Absolutely no obligation. Good. So the Rebbe writes. So we'll say why? Why, why is Hanukkah different? Therefore, than every other every other yom tov we have. The mayor need a sheet. Sorry. However, there's still there's still more sheets. If anyone needs. It's plenty, it's plenty. So, so the second paragraph, we'll say, second paragraph on the first page. So says, just I'll give you the Pashib Shat. The Pashib Shat, that's why Hanukkah is different than all the other Yom Tovim, is because it's a fundamental, it's a fundamental difference in identity. Meaning what? Lochina simcha bitolaporonos misbatas bisuda gashmis. 
Hamisameches es haguf. So we'll say a very simple distinction. The Rebbe says, if you look at all of our other Yemen Tovim, right? So remember again, Pesach, Pesach, we faced the threat of physical annihilation. Purim, we faced the threat of physical annihilation. So how do you celebrate? Now obviously one is biblical, one is rabbinic, but how do you celebrate those Yamim Tovim? Whenever there's a threat of physical annihilation, the way we celebrate is how? In a physical way. Remember, Purim is the easiest contrast because Hanukkah and Purim are like sister Yamim Tovim, right? Even though, again, remember, Purim happens right after the destruction of the first Beis HaMikdosh. And Hanukkah, of course, again, is in the middle, in the middle of Second Temple era. So remember, again, but they're often, they're often looked at as sister Yamim Tovim because they're both our rabbinic Yamim Tovim. So, for example, on Purim, what was Haman's plan? What was Haman's plan? La Hashmid, la Harog, ula Abe, this Yehudim. Haman's plan was annihilation. Haman wasn't interested in assimilation. Haman wasn't interested in converting people. Haman wasn't interested. Ham, all Haman wanted was dead Jews. That's what Haman wanted. And therefore, says the Rebbe, I will say, by the way, I'll point out, the Mishnah Burr says the same exact thing. Says the Rebbe, therefore, the way we celebrate that is with a physical celebration. Right? So again, we were physically saved from a threat of physical annihilation. So therefore, the way we celebrate is with a physical celebration. On the other hand, Ulam, the Chanukah Haisa Hagzera b'Misha Haruchni. I will say, Sidabba points out, Chanukah is unique. Chanukah is unique. Why is Chanukah unique? Because Chanukah did not present a physical threat. The Greeks were not interested in the annihilation of the Jewish people. Fakir, just the opposite. The Greeks were interested in the assimilation of the Jewish people. The Greeks didn't want to kill us. They just simply wanted us to become part of their culture. By the way, I'll point out, they were ready to assimilate parts of Judaism into their culture as well. They wanted to take some stuff from us, this, right? And they wanted to bring it in, but they wanted us to join them. So there was never really, at least initially, I will say, I'll point out, after attempts at assimilation failed, then the Greeks resorted to physical annihilation as well. But initially that wasn't the plan. The plan was assimilate the Jews, get them to join us, keep them alive and well. We just want them to become part of us. He goes on, therefore he says, Right, what do we say in Alanisim? Well, what did the Greeks want? They wanted us to forget Torah. That's what they wanted. Therefore, again, Lachain, Therefore, it says it makes sense. So because Hanukkah represents a spiritual threat, therefore, and we were saved from a spiritual threat, therefore what? The celebration and observance of Hanukkah is done with a spiritual celebration, right? So how is Hanukkah celebrated? Ultimately, again, Hanukkah is celebrated with the kindling of the menorah, right? The fire, the flame representing the Jewish soul. Again, we'll see what it represents even more. But the said that's how Hanukkah is celebrated. So therefore, I will say, this is the paradigm, ultimately, again, that the Rebbe is pointing out for us. Where there's a threat of physical annihilation, the celebration is physical. When there's a threat of spiritual annihilation, which I will say, really, it's only Hanukkah. It's only Hanukkah that has, right? Everything else has a physical component to it. So, yeah. Right, right. But, but actually, it's not, it's not, it's what's interesting is they tried to kill us. It's just the different forms of annihilation and different Yamim Tovim. Absolutely. So, everybody says, listen to this. So, therefore, Hanukkah, which was a threat of spiritual annihilation, therefore, the observance, so the celebration of the Yom Tiv is not done with physical celebration, but rather with only spiritual means. Beautiful. That's setting the table. I will say, now watch what the Rabbi says. It's incredible. Lo'ar has, Lo'ar has beria shal pnima satora. Mekabel ha'inyan mashmal samukhiyosa. So, the Rabbi says, okay. What I just told you, Rabbi, what the Rebbe just told us, is what we call Torah's Hanigle. 
We'll say, what's Torah Sanigla? Torah Sanigla is revealed Torah. What's revealed Torah? Litvish Torah. Right? Litvish Torah, right? Right? <laughs> right? It's revealed Torah, right? It's, again, again, it's beautiful. It's good. Remember, you, you can't have Nister without Nigla, but it's, 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 we'll call it, it's the, it's the, it's the, we'll call it observable, observable dimension, understandable. We'll call it surface dimension of Torah. Then is what's called Nistar or Pinimias Torah. Pinimias Torah says when we delve beneath the surface, try to understand the neshama of everything. So say, when we, when we talk about neshama, we assume that only a human being has a neshama. But the truth is, everything in this world has a neshama. Now, it's different than the neshama that you and I have, but what it means, what does it mean everything has a neshama? Everything in this world has something deeper associated with it. Everything has something deeper. Everything has something deeper. And I will say, every experience has something deeper. You know, I was just thinking about this on the way home. So we had a, we had a basketball game tonight between two of the schools, two of the Jewish schools in the community. And um, it's not important to win or lost. That, that doesn't... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, the loser always says that. The loser, it's not about winning. It's not about winning. <laughs> Everybody's a winner. Everybody's a winner. <laughs> So I'll, say, so I'll tell you something interesting, you know, it, it, it's so fascinating. And like, I, I, it's funny now, like I go a lot to a lot of these high school games and it's, um, it's so interesting to see that like what you see unfold, you're talking about everything has an ashama, even a basketball game has an ashama, right? And like the ashama of a basketball game often is like everybody's on the court and what are, what are they aiming for? They're not aiming for a win. It's not, it's not about a win. What they're actually aiming for is greatness. You see, because what that win represents, the win is a portal to greatness, right? It, it's that portal to accomplishment, to self-actualization. And what's incredible is that when there's a loss, when there's a loss, it's fascinating. There's like a heaviness of defeat, right? Even if you play, there's a heaviness of defeat. Like, I was aiming for greatness, and it didn't happen. And it didn't happen. But say that happens to all of us. I mean, I'm not on the basketball I'm saying like it happens to all of us. We have moments like that in life where I was really trying to do something significant. I was trying to make something happen. I was trying to grow. I was trying to be better. And you know what? It didn't happen. It just didn't materialize. And that feeling of failure, that feeling of disappointment, that feeling of disillusionment, that feeling of being upset and angry and disappointed in yourself is profound. It's, it's palpable. There's an ashama to everything in this world. Ashama to everything. So the Rebbe says, okay, so now I told you the nigla. I told you the kind of, we'll call it the external understanding of Hanukkah. Hanukkah is a yom which celebrates spiritual triumph, and therefore the celebration is only done in spiritual means. There's no physical obligation to celebrate the yom But says the Rebbe, let's go a little bit deeper. I will say, this is such a beautiful piece. Such a beautiful piece. Su'uda, look what he writes there earlier. So let, let's talk about why, why doesn't Hanukkah, why doesn't Hanukkah have a su'uda? So the Rebbe says, su'uda murkeves milechem mayim v'yayim. So it's interesting. What are the staples of a meal? What are the staples of a meal? The Rebbe says, you need bread, water, and wine. Bread, water, and wine. Those... I guess you could fry the bread, right? I'm just saying, you know, you can always, they can always deep fry. So at the end of the day, the Rebbe says, like, if you think about it, like a suda, a suda has three primary components, right? You have to have bread, right? Because remember, again, you're washing, so the bread makes the suda, 
right? You, ha- you have to have mayim, you have to have mayim, you have to have water, and yayin. You know, yayin is often, again, what makes a su'udah chashv, what makes it important. So look what he writes. He says, Shloshes hadvaram elu, roms minotarabos. You know what come the denominator between water, or I should say bread, water, and wine? Bread, water, and wine are all metaphorical allusions for Torah. Listen to this. Lechem umayim. So bread and water are obvious. Just like bread and water are the key components for sustenance, for physical survival. So again, that's why Torah is compared to lechem. Torah is compared to bread. Torah is compared to water. I can't, live, I can't exist without bread. I can't exist without water. I can't exist without Torah. Now, I will say the other thing about bread, bread and water is that bread and water specifically refer to what we'll call the revealed dimensions of Torah. The revealed dimensions. He goes on, he says, that Rabzim lechelke ha-goli sh'atorah sh'osot tzarech Yehudi lilmot kedei ladas ketzal lesnag. You know what I'm saying? It's very interesting. You know, today, today, like in our day and age, right, there's often like a push towards Jewish mysticism, chasidus, kabbalah, which is all very beautiful. But before you get to any of that, there's just one thing a person should learn first, right? And that's Shulchan Aruch, right? Because you can learn all the Hasidus and Jewish mysticism and Kabbalah in the world, you're not going to know how to put on your shoes in the morning, right? In other words, I need the, I need the halacha. I need the halacha to tell, me, to tell me how to act and what to do and how to live. And that's why learning of halacha is so incredibly important. The nigla, so the Rebbe suggests the lechem and mayim, which are like the staples of existence, Though, and again, our, always com- our Torah is always compared to water and bread, but it refers to what we call the revealed dimension, or the practical or utilitarian dimension <clears throat> of Torah. The part of Torah that teaches us how to live, like practically, how to live and what to do. That's bread and water. On the other hand, yayim, shein tzorech kiyumi, and I will say wine. Does a person need wine to exist? No. No, I mean, if you think you do, see me after the shear. You might have other issues. Right? So again, wine is very nice. Wine is very nice. Wine is not a staple of existence. In other words, you, you don't need wine. He says, I will say, what does wine do? What does wine do? Wine adds. Right? Wine adds. You know, you can have a beautiful suda. Let's say nowadays, you know, you're having a beautiful suda, the, the right? Beautiful entrees and this and that, all this stuff. The truth is, without a glass of wine, there's something missing from the Suda. There's something missing. Do, do, do I need the glass of wine to enjoy the steak? No, no, the steak is wonderful, it's great. But the wine kind of brings it all together. The wine brings everything together. It's mosif. It adds. It adds. He says, what does that refer to? Listen to this. Romes, le sodos ha-Torah. Now, we'll say that refers ultimately again to the secrets of the Torah. In other words, we'll say, if a person, and this is something actually interesting to contemplate, right? If a person, if a person goes ahead and all they do is they learn, is they learn the nigla, right? They learn the revealed parts of Torah and they le- never learn the nistar. They never learn the hidden dimensions. Could one lead a happy Judaic life? Sure. Of course. Of course. Again, you see, I'm biased with this as I think all of us, all of us are biased with this is that, you know, it, there'd be such a piece of my Yiddishkeit missing without nistar, right? Without the hidden dimensions of Torah. But again, that being said, a person can be absolutely functional, a good Jew, have a wonderful chayik in Olam Haba, a meaningful Olam Haza, and all you're focused on is what we'll call the bread and water of Torah. The bread and water of Torah is the obvious revealed parts that are necessary, utilitarian, practical. The yayin represents, I will say, the deeper parts of Torah, the nistar, 
the hidden parts. And by the way, we're going to see part of that also is that the way you get wine is you have to squeeze the juice out of the grapes, right? In other words, that wine doesn't just occur naturally, right? Yeah, I'm sorry? Crush. Crush the grapes, right? Well, that was crushing the olives from last week. Good. That excellent, right? I'm sorry? What, oh, by the way, also, I was going to mention this also, yes. incredible you sold. Rav Shmuel, first of all, a special welcome to Rav Shmuel Karabkin, who is joining us, uh, who's joining us here for the sheer newest. So be nice to him. We're also going to skip the sheer hazing for him. So, right, we're going to, we're going to spare him from that. He was that. supposed to take the heat off the salmon. But he was what? He was supposed to take the heat off the salmon. That's true, it's true. Right, he's, he's on call. Hashem. Welcome, 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 welcome. So I'll say, so, so, Rishon is saying also very good that there's a concept of nichnas yayin yatsasod, which is when the wine comes in, the secrets come out. Now, by the way, that actually needs no explanation, right? It's quite obvious, as I think many of us have actually lived that, right? We're a little too much wine, and suddenly all the stuff that probably should remain inside, right, suddenly begins to come out. So in a very beautiful metaphorical little way as well, that Torah, that wine represents the hidden dimensions of Torah. Again, it's nice, it's nice. I don't need it. I don't have to have it. But it's beautiful. So watch this. Just like again, I will say, I don't need the glass of wine for the suda, but it adds so much to the suda. So to again, wine refers to the hidden dimensions of Torah. I don't need it in order to go ahead and leave, lead a meaningful, practical, uplifting, redemptive Jewish life. But it certainly adds a dimension of beautiful holiness. So I'll say, now watch this. Get ready for this. I want to tell you something. Just, I'm going to pause you just a second. Uh, I'm very excited for the center of Hanukkah. I'm, very, I'm just in general, I happen to love Hanukkah very much. I love, I love all Yom Tovim, because I love every day very much. But like Hanukkah, Hanukkah is, uh, is really special. And I will say, part of why I'm very excited also because like, I, I, feel like, I feel like we're going to be prepared this year. In general, when it comes to my Yiddishkeit, I feel woefully unprepared. In general, it's like my general feeling in life. I'm not prepared. It follows me everywhere. Like I start to have Yom Yishir, I'm not prepared. I start my sales to Sharem, I'm not prepared. I come to Shem. In general, like in life, I meet a challenge, like I'm not prepared. I just, I, I could be doing so much more to be, to, to be prepared for life. I, I feel like for the first time, it's actually interesting that for Hanukkah, I feel a little bit more prepared. Because I think last week, the piece we did from Bill Vavi and Hevra, if you weren't here last week, I'm going to post that shir on, on the chat. If you're not on the chat, we're showing you on the chat. Okay. It's not a shir if it doesn't have a chat. It doesn't happen. If it doesn't have a WhatsApp chat, it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Okay. I'm going to see if you're going to add them. Excellent. Excellent. It's on the podcast also. I'm going to post it. I will say, if you weren't here last week for the Bill Vavi shir, David, was it transformative? Killer, killer. That, that's good. That's a good thing. I wanted to get on the record. Crushed it. I learned also that crushing it is good. Crushing it is a good thing. You know, sounds bad, but apparently it's a compliment. Good. I'll say, so we had that piece last week, which really, which really taught us like the message of the oil. And now look what the Rebbe is going to do. And I feel like if we internalize the last week's share, this week's share, I push, I feel like ready, ready to go, like confident to go into Chanukah. What the Rebbe says. So I remember again, when it comes to Suda, three things. Water, bread, wine. Water, bread, the necessities. Reference to that, we'll call it the necessary parts of Torah, the nigla, the revealed part. Wine, not a necessity, but makes everything come together so beautifully, the hidden dimensions of Torah. The Rebbe says, by the way, there's a fourth part to the Suda. Get ready, meet. Get ready for this. Get ready for this. Ah, yesh davar revi. There's another thing. Shemen. is oil. 
is oil, frying. Right, it's it's a hundred. Yeah, the canola oil. Right? Yeah. Say, no, no, shaman. Now, by the way, we'll say, why is he bringing down shaman? Why is he bringing down shaman? Because the truth is, again, remember the one thing he's not talking about over here is like, okay, like what are you having for your meal? Like, what are you, what are you eating? But chances are, whatever it is that you're eating is generally going to have an ingredient. And what is that ingredient? Oil in in some in some way, shape, or form. Right, it's part of the preparation of foods. So the rabbis, he doesn't say that, but I believe that's what he means. So there's another, there's like another staple in the meal, and that's oil. But I will say, what's the difference, says the Rebbe, between water, bread, wine, and oil? I should say, water, bread, wine, and oil. Look at this. Listen to this. Here's the difference. Water, bread, wine... You could eat each of them by themselves. In other words, I, I, I don't need to add anything to water to eat, to drink it. I don't need to add anything to wine to drink it. I don't need to add anything to bread to eat. It's there. Ulam, shemen Now let's say, oil is not like that. Oil cannot be consumed by itself. I will say, by the way, I'm going to tell you the exception to this rule. Get ready for this. The exception to this rule is olive oil of Eretz Yisrael. Olive oil of Eretz Yisrael, I'll say, I remember this going back a number of years ago. I, um, I was with my family and we went to Emekaila. Emekaila is the Ella Valley or Ella Plain. It's right outside of Beit Shemesh. Right outside of Beit Shemesh. That is the place where the battle between David and Goliath, King David and Goliath, took place. You could see, you could, you could, you could literally walk the steps. It was an open plain. That's where David killed Goliath. Right in Emekaela is a beautiful winery called the Ella Valley Winery. Ella Valley Winery. Incredible. I walk in there with my wife. I don't know where my kids were. I don't know. I don't know. We're in a winery. Whatever it is. They can't, they can't get far. They were little. I think whatever. Maybe we tied them to a polo. I don't know. Whatever it was. Right? So, 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 so listen to this. So, right? so what was incredible is we walk in and you know they have a tasting and the proprietor says, could I give you some olive oil? Give you some olive oil. So I was like, with what? Like, like, yeah, like, like, what's like, what about what are we eating? You know, you give me some olive oil, you know, right? So they say, no, I want to give you a glass of olive oil. So I said, like, pour it on what? Like, what? I still wasn't like, is this a salad? You like have a piece of bread? Like, what are we, like, what are we doing over here? And he said, no, drink it, drink it. And it was incredible. Then we went through the Sugi Meseches Brachas, because the Sugi Meseches Brachas talks about what bracha do you make if you drink olive oil, if you drink olive oil. So there's a whole discussion. Is it bright prayer? like the olives. Is it shahako? Okay, so I went through the whole sugya. So he said, try it. I made a bracha. I drank the olive oil. And I was absolutely incredible. It was absolutely incredible. It was sweet. It was sweet. And he said, these are the olives of Eretz Yisrael. The Shiva Saminim, right? Only, right? Only the olives of Eretz Yisrael could produce oil that, that's like this. Something I will say... Eretz Yisrael is sweet in everything. Even 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 the olive oil is sweet. So again, I was I think I was sick for a day afterwards. But all right, but that was uh, that was no, no, no. I'm just kidding. No, no, it was good. I was saying it was beautiful. I, I might have drank too much of it. It wasn't the oil. I think I got a little. What was, what was I got what? What was the bracha? The bracha shakol. The bracha shakol. Because it's still it's still not considered to be a normative a normative form of consumption. So I'll say so. So now so the rabbi says something amazing. So Eldi, what can we get you? I feel bad. Everything's here. The seltzer. The new one? Oh, I'm sorry. Excuse me. The new one. Wow. Excuse us. Excuse us. I'm sorry. So here's what was incredible. It was. It wasn't. It was. It was liquidy. It was liquidy. 
Right, because otherwise, like, it'd be like, uh, no, no, it, 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 it actually, it went down. It went down. It was like a shot glass of, is it, I don't know what it was, but like, it was, it was, it was, it was delicious. I'm saying, I, I, you know what, it's also like, when you, when you feel like you're experiencing something unique about Eretz Yisrael, right? Again, olives are one of the Shiva Saminim. Eretz Zeis Shemen, right? So again, it's olives, and you see like the pears of Eretz Yisrael are so sweet that literally something you would never dream of ingesting, just straight, suddenly you can. It's, 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 it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming. In any event, so Rebbe says, but normally, oil is not consumed by itself. It has to be consumed with something. He says, <clears throat> so wine, so let's go in order. Bread, water, and wine, you could consume by themselves. Oil, you can't. Ultimately, again, oil has to be mixed with other foods. Now the Rebbe says, here's the chap. Oil is something amazing. You see, what does oil do? Oil is a flavor enhancer. So you can't eat oil by itself, yet when you mix oil with something else, it's not just the oil that you're tasting. What does the oil do? What does the oil do? It brings out the flavor. Like, I'm sorry? Like salt, like salt right? It, bring, it brings out the flavor in everything. So Bose and I watch this. Watch this. It's so incredible. So whatever writes, so say second, second section, page 296, where it says, Chag Hashem. So both say, now we understand why Hanukkah is different. Now remember again, remember what was the Rebbe's question? The Rebbe's question was, every other Yom that we have has a din of Su'uda. Su'uda is comprised of Lechem, Mayim, and Yayim. Bread, water, wine. Hanukkah doesn't have a Su'uda like that. All Hanukkah has is what? Is what? Shemen. Oil. Right? Shemen. Shemen. Listen to this. Hachagim ha'achirim, listen to what he writes, Kshurim lechalokim giluyim yoser shal Torah. So let's listen to this. So the Rebbe says like this, the other Yamin Tovim are attached to the more revealed aspects of Torah. To the more revealed aspects of Torah. Right? What we call Torah Sanigla. He says, even Yayin, now remember, we just said before, but what a second, wine, wine represents the more hidden dimensions of Torah. So look what the Rebbe introduces us to. Vafa Yayin, Shebehem Romeis, Lesodo Shinitnam Legilui, even though, again, wine normally represents the dimensions, we'll say, get ready for this. It turns out, it turns out that there are multiple hidden levels, or I should say, multiple levels of, multiple dimensions of hidden Torah. In other words, I will say, it's not just the pshat. See, we always thought, before you came here tonight, I would have thought, somebody would have asked me on the street, how many, how many layers of Torah? I would have said, there's nigla and there's nistar. There's revealed Torah, there's hidden Torah. The Rebbe says it's not true. There's revealed Torah. There's somewhat hidden Torah. And then there's really hidden Torah. Right? There's Nister, like, like, like first level, first level Nister, and then like much deeper Nister. So wine represents, wine represents kind of like the first level Nister. Right? The first level Nister, the, the, the level right underneath the Nigla. So I revealed Torah, Chumish, Mishnah, Gemara, Shulchan Aruch, that's all the revealed Torah. And then I have some level of hidden Torah underneath that. And then says the Rabbi, and again, remember, so the, 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 the revealed Torah, that's my bread, that's my water. The first level of hidden Torah, what is that? What is that? That's my wine. And then there's oil Torah. Then there's oil Torah. And oil Torah, we'll say, is the deepest of the deep. The deepest of the, the hidden of the hidden. He goes on, he says, Ula, 
Chanukah, Shemitzainim Osaide Shemen, Misameles Kocham Shalasodos Hakamusim Biyose Shalatora, Rosin de Rosin. Let's get ready for this. I'm sorry, it's deeper, it's even deeper than Purim. It's even deep, and that, that's going to be the incredible part. So we'll say, the Rabbis, you know what Chanukah is? So we'll say, remember this term, Rosin de Rosin. You know what that means? The secrets of the secrets. Meaning, even the secrets of Torah have secrets. The secrets of the secrets, that's Hanukkah. That's oil. That's oil. It's the deepest lever. It's the deepest level. Vikan. So I'll say, so listen to this. He says, Vikan. Even before we go on. Even before we go on. So ultimately, again, so we, we'll maybe leave off the rest. But before we go on, so now we'll say we understand. Why is there no Su'udah by Hanukkah? Why is there no Suda by Hanukkah? Why? Because it was a Suda by Hanukkah would fundamentally undermine the depth of the Hanukkah experience. Remember again, I was saying what Suda represents. Suda, Lechem, Mayim, Ayayim, represent the revealed aspects of Torah and what we'll call the first level of hidden dimension of Torah. So that's related to our Yom Tovim. Yeah, every, every Yom Tov has a revealed aspect. Every Yom Tov has a hidden aspect. Shabbos Kodesh has a revealed aspect and a hidden aspect. So every single Yom Tov we have, therefore, has Lechem, Yayin, Mayim. Or Lechem, Mayim, Yayin. Right? Bread, water, wine. Says Rabbi, you know what Chanukah is? You know what Chanukah is? It's Razin de Razin. It's the secrets of the secret. So we'll say there's only one thing you have for the secret of the secret. And what's that? What's that? Oil. Oil, I will say, is the rosin de rosin. Now, here's what's interesting, I will say. Can you have the rosin de rosin by itself? Can you have the secret of the secret by itself? No. no. The same way that you can't consume oil by itself. But if you take the oil and you mix it with everything else, everything else tastes so much better when the oil is added to it. Or in the Rebbe's Malabosai, Chanukah brings us a certain deeper level of spirituality that cannot be felt the rest of the year. The rest, we'll say, but you understand what this means? You understand what this means? We'll say, I want to point out, do you understand what this, do you understand what this means for us? We'll say, you know how Chanukah happens so often? You know, you know what happens, right? I said this to my women's shit, right? What happens? Everybody, everybody's together. the first night. Sounds terrible. Right? Okay. And then what happens? What happens? What happens? Dinner. Right? We're out. Right? We're out. We're out. We'll say, it's so important to like take time to understand what it is that's unfolding on Hanukkah. He will say, can I ask you a question? Is there anyone here who fully understands what the Rebbe is saying? No. But here's the beauty of it. See, I will say, you don't have to understand it to understand it. I don't know what the Rebbe means when he says, Razin de Razin. I don't, I don't know what that means, the secret of the secret. I will say, that's exactly the point. I don't understand it, but, but I do understand it. I understand that what the Rebbe is teaching us is that there is a deeper dimension to the Ruchnius of Hanukkah that cannot be matched in the entire year. It's greater, that's what the Rebbe says. In a certain way, it's greater than Elul, it's greater than Rosh Hashanah, it's greater than Aser Simit it's greater than Yom Kippur, it's greater than Pesach, it's greater than Shavuos, it's greater than Sukkot. Okay, Purim, Purim is a parallel rabbinic holiday, so that's fine. It's greater than everything. Because we'll say there is no other Yom Tiv that is Razin de Razin, of secrets of the secrets. There's no other Yom Tiv 
that's Shemen. Every other Yomtiv is Lechem, Mayim, and Yayin. Chanukah is the only Yomtiv where it's Razin de Razin. Shabbosai, let's, let's spend a few moments trying to understand this on, on, a, on a deeper level. Because what, what, what does this mean? Like, what, so Chanukah is this deepest of so what and what? And what? I, I, I will say, like, I understand. See, the beautiful part is we've all been learning Hasidus together long enough to know your mind does not have to understand something for it to be correct. And this is the most important tenet of Hasidus. Even if I don't understand intellectually what the Rebbe is saying, emotionally, spiritually, I'm 100% there. I know that Hanukkah contains something that cannot be experienced. As well. So you know when you experience this? You know when you experience this in Hanukkah? If after everything is done, right? The, sing, bless you, the singing is over everything. But say you pull up a chair and you know what you do? You stare at the candles. Give yourself 10 minutes to stare at the candles and you will feel something course through your neshama. And that feeling, you cannot replicate it throughout the year and you won't be able to articulate what it is. But that is the razen de razen. There's something so deep and so profound that's occurring. So what is this depth? What, what is this shemen? What is this oil? So I want to say, so first of all, now the Rebbe answers that for us. Now I understand why there's no suda. Because suda, interestingly enough, to a certain degree, is, is really anchored in what we'll call nikla, in the revealed part of Torah, or in the first level of, of obscured or hidden Torah. But Hanukkah is so beyond, so much deeper than anything else. Razin de razin, it's the antav of shemen. So I want to say, turn your package a little bit. Turn to the next page. I want to show you something beautiful from the Piaget stuff. So we'll say, so now listen to this. So this is, just to, just to give you the idea of this piece. So this. So we'll say, this was a piece that the Piazetzna wrote, Hanukkah, in the year Tafshin Beis. So this was December 1942. December 1942, where the Rebbe wrote, this was a drasha he gave, I don't know at what point in Hanukkah, because it just says Hanukkah, but it was a drasha that he gave in December 1942 in the Warsaw Gate. So remember again, you know the story of the age. This is now the, the Piazetzna's most famous sefer is the Eish Kodesh. Every, not every single Shabbos, but often the Rebbe had a secret minion that happened in the Warsaw Ghetto, and he would conduct davening, and he would go ahead and give a drasha, give a drasha after Shabbos, and the drushes are, the drushes are, are, I actually, we're not doing this whole piece by Hanukkah, I will say, because um, it's actually a very overwhelming piece. It's a very overwhelming piece in a, in, a, in a tragic, sad sense. And I didn't, I didn't want to bring in that component. But again, if you, you, I'll give you the whole piece if you want. But at Matzei Shabbos, the Rebbe would write down the drasha. It's actually a historical debate. If the Rebbe wrote down the drasha, or he had a Gabai wrote down the drasha, someone wrote down the drashas on Matzei Shabbos. And again, they saved them. The, the Rebbe died and the Rebbe was murdered in the war, but they were able to hide. He, was, he or his guy were able to hide the drashas in the milk canister and it was discovered after the war. My understanding is that he wrote, he wrote it. As a matter of fact, he went back and edited. So it's a, it's a historical, it's a historical debate That's, about I, it. I got it from uh, Henry Abramson. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that the, he took. Yeah. He, he saw this. So there, yeah, there's. As posterity. Yep, there's, there's a machlokis about exactly who did what, but it's definitely the Rebbe's drushes. So I'll say, so take a look, take a look at this first page over here. So now this is page, uh, page, is page three, page three in advance. Well, let's listen to this. So the Rebbe quotes over here. 
So what's this? We know this, this is the quote from, from, from Davening. In the days of Matisio, the son of Yochanan, the Kohen Gadol, Chashmonai and his sons, when the Greeks, when the evil Greek regime stood up against the nation of Israel to cause them to forget Torah, to violate the tenets of Torah, or the, I should say the pathways of Yoratzon, and you, Hashem, you stood up for them at the time of their suffering. So the Piaget's going to ask an interesting question. You're also just going to look at the first line. Listen to this. So the Rebbe, so the Rebbe feels it's a redundant statement. In other words, we say, the Greeks stood up against us, to cause us to forget Torah and to transgress the ways of Hashem. And you, Hashem, Amarat stood up for us in the time of our suffering. So the Rebbe says, all you really need to say is time of our suffering, right? In other words, you could, you could leave out the part, right? leave, leave out that, leave out that phrase. Why do you have to bring in there? They try, we, we know the story. The point over here is, Hashem, you came to our aid in a time of distress. If you're telling me that God came to us in a time of distress, you can leave out the phrase that the Greeks tried to get us to forget Torah. We know that already. Or conversely, conversely, if you're going to say that the Greeks tried to get us to forget Torah, you can leave out the phrase of what? Be'is sarasam, in their time of difficulty. In other words, it's just, it's just a little bit redundant. So we'll say, if you turn the page, if you turn the page, so actually, this is a this is a much longer drasha. I only gave you one little snippet of it. But I'm also on the last page, on the last page in your packet. So I'll say you can see something. The Rebbe says something so beautiful. Last page, last paragraph. Last page, last paragraph. Look what the Rebbe says. He explains the hine gamay rotsu ayivanim nashkicham sarasek halavir mokemutzenecha vasuzos ayidetzaris viyisurim. So I'll say skip down a little bit. Last paragraph. Vayisrael yadu. She asked Tachlis Koy Sura Guf Shagamulam, Tachlisa Mulashkicham Sara Sahavir Makerzenecha, the Alzet Dagu, the He Haisa Iker Letzarasam. They both say, listen to this. Listen to this. The Rebbe says, I'm mean, just say this outside just because of time. The Rebbe says, here's how you should make this a two hour shear, I think, right? I think in the future. We need a couple of more courses. A couple of more sponsors. We need a couple of more sponsors, yeah. A couple of, yeah, we're going to, okay, we're going to need a lot. More water. So so listen to this. So we'll say, listen to this. So go back for just a moment. Okay, go back to page three for just a second. I'm sorry I'm taking you back and forth. So we'll say, listen to how the Rebbe says, go back to the top part where the Rebbe is quoting from the Siddur. So he says, what happens in the times of Hanukkah? The, right, the, Greek, the Greek monarchy stood up against us and they went ahead and they tried to take away Torah from us. They tried to make us forget Torah. And what did Hashem, what did you do? You stood up for us in the time of our distress. And we'll say, what was the distress of Hanukkah? What was the distress of Hanukkah? The distress of Hanukkah was that someone tried to rob us of our spirituality. That was the tsara, right? You stood up for us in the time of our tsara. What's our tsara? What was our suffering? The suffering of Hanukkah was not a physical suffering, as we saw before. The suffering of Hanukkah was that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, they tried to take our Ruchnius. They tried to take our Ruchnius. And when someone tries to take the Ruchnius of a Jew, 
That causes me something. I will say, I'll tell you something amazing. I was thinking about this piece of the Tejets, and I did not do it justice. I'll post the entire piece in the chat because it's a magnificently overwhelming piece. I will say, you know, the Gemara says, we saw it in Meseches Nedarim, Meseches Ksuvis, Adam Nidon, the Gimel Dvarim. A person, right? The true nature of a person could be seen in three things, right? What, what are the three things, right? Koso, how does a person go and hold his alcohol? Right? What happens when he drinks? Right? Kiso? Right? How do you go ahead and spend your money? What you spend your money on is a big thing. And Kaso? Either that means what do you get angry over or how do you behave when you are angry? Makes a lot of sense. Tell a lot about a person when they drink that everything comes out. Right? Tell a lot about a person about what they spend their money or how they relate to their money. And you tell a lot about a person by what they get angry about or how they manage themselves, how they, how they compose themselves in a time of anger. I will say, I think... I was thinking about this today, and I think that there is a there's another thing you could add to this. I was like, the other thing you could add to this is bitsaro. What does a person get upset over? What does a person like? What what gives a person pain? What causes me pain? And I was like, you could tell a lot from a person about what causes them pain, right? In other words, for some people, for some people again, you know, they don't get the gashmius they want. They're in pain, like, like they're, in, they're, they're in distress. They're in distress, excuse me. A person, something in his career doesn't, there's a, you can tell a lot about a person by what, what pains you. And I both said, do you know what the incredible part about Hanukkah was? We discovered as a people, what causes us pain? What causes us pain, I both said. You know what causes us pain? When someone tries to take our ruchnias. That causes, you want to take my life? The Jew is always, I will say, has always been prepared to dial Kiddush Hashem. If I need to give my life for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I stand ready to do so. That has, been the, that has been the power of the Jew throughout the ages. No one has ever been willing to give their life for their God, like Am Yisrael is. But it's incredible. It's not dying Al Kiddush Hashem that gives me the greatest amount of tsar. It's the thought of losing my Ruchnius that gives me the greatest amount of tsar. It's the thought of being spiritually deprived. It's the thought of having my spirituality removed from me. That's what causes me. And that's what we say. That's what we say ultimately We say, Hashem, what did the Greeks try to do? They didn't try to take our bodies. They didn't try to take our lives. What did they try to take? What did they try to take? They tried to take our Torah. They tried to take our Ruchnios. And what happens? What do we call that? Hashem, you stood up for us in the time of our tsar. Because do you know what causes me tsar more than anything? The loss of ruchnius. So I'll say, what does that tell you? If what causes me tsar more than anything is loss of my ruchnius, what does that tell you? That the most important thing to me in life is my spirituality. The most important thing in my life is spirituality. I will say, I think that this is the razin, the razin of the Rebbe. This is the secret of the secret of Hanukkah. And I both say, you know, you ask a person, what's important to you? What's important to you? So I say, you stop a person on the street. What's important to you? What's, what's important to me? My family is important to me. My career is important to me. My home is important to me. All correct answers. And I will say, you know what happens when you peel away all of those? And I will say, you know, one of the most overwhelming things in life, all of those things that are important to us, ultimately, again, you can't control them. You know, you never know what will, what will or what won't happen to all of those things. At the end of the day, the one thing that is most important to the Jew is my relationship with Hashem. Because I will say, everything stems from that. 
Everything comes from that relationship. There is nothing more important in my life than my rochnius. So you stop me on the street. What is the singularly most important thing in your life? And the answer is, my rochnius. Now, both sides. My ruchnius takes on many different, many different forms, right? My ruchnius allows me to be a better husband. My ruchnius allows me to be a better father. My ruchnius allows me to be a better employee or employer. My ruchnius enables me to be excellent in all of these various areas of life. But you want to know what is the most important thing in my life. It is my ruchnius. And I both say, when did we learn that? When did we learn that the most important thing for a yid is his ruchnius? When did we learn it? Chanukah. Chanukah. It's the Shemin. That's the Shemin of Osai. The Shemin is Ruchnius. Shemin is Ruchnius. And Ruchnius, like Shemin, you mix it with everything else. Osai, what happens? You, right, you dab a little oil on anything, and what happens? It's delicious. It's delicious. You take your Ruchnius, you mix it into every area of your life, and Osai, what happens? Delicious. You mix your Ruchnius with your marriage, you're going to have a great marriage. You mix your ruchnius with your parenting, you're going to be a great parent. You mix your ruchnius with your career, you're going to be honest and successful. You mix your ruchnius with your gashmius, you are going to have a healthy relationship with your material side. You mix the oil of ruchnius with anything, and it just makes it better. It just makes it more delicious. And I will say, this is the shemen, this is Hanukkah, this is the razin, the razin. At the end of the day, the takeaway message of Hanukkah is that the most important thing in my life is my rochnius. I will say, right now we're learning it. The avod of Hanukkah is that by the time we get to the eighth ner, to be able to say it as an affirmative statement. The most important thing in my life is my ruchnius. I know it sounds strange. What? My ruchnius is more important than my wife? My ruchnius is, I mean, don't say this to your wife yet. Work on, work this through, work this through. Right? Finesse this a little bit, right? Right? The most important thing in my life is, ruchnius is more important than my wife? Ruchnius is more important than my kids? And I both say, you know what the answer is? Yes. Yes. Because what are you without ruchnius? What am I without shemen? What am I? Without my, what, what am I? I'm a shell. I'm a vessel. I'm a clee. I'm not a husband without Ruchnius. I'm not a father without Ruchnius. I'm a nothing without Ruchnius. I'm an empty vessel without Ruchnius. So yeah, the most important thing in life is Ruchnius. And I will say, this is the take-home message of Hanukkah. The most important thing in this world is Ruchnius. And that's why, again, going full circle. So that, that was the Piagestan's contribution. That was the Tsar. The Tsar of Hanukkah, someone tried to take my spiritual, you take my spiritual, I will say, you might as well rip the heart out of my chest. It's the same thing. It's the same exact thing. You tried to rob me of my spirituality, without that, there's nothing. That's the Tsar. And says Lubav Shabbat, that's why there's no Sudan Hanukkah. There's no Lechem, Mayim, or Yayin, because that refers to the Nigla, or, or the first level Mister. Hanukkah Shaman. Rosin de Rosin, the secret of the secret. And I will say, the secret of the secret is that the most important thing in my life is my Rochnius. I will say, we should be Zocha, Amir Hashem. We should be Zocha, Amir Hashem. Go ahead and internalize this lesson of the Hanukkah. And I will say, again, to not just say, I will say, I will, the Shaila is, and this is the hard part, to look at our lives. You will say, it's easy to make statements. The Shaila is, when you look at my life, does that value, am I living that value? Does my lifestyle clearly show that Ruchnius is the most important thing in my life? 
Or no, I like to say that she'er, but it's not really, it's not really portrayed in the way that I live. And the goal of Chanukah Rabosai is not just to say, Ruchnius is the most important part of my life. The goal of Chanukah ultimately is to create a lifestyle, to create an approach, to create a personality where I'm able to live a life where Ruchnius is the most important thing, Shemen is the most important thing, and I become a Jew of Razen de Razen. Right. Yeah. 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 Right, so we're going to leave the tablecloths on if everyone can throw out their garbage, please. We will have a